Hi, this is Rachel Collins, Principal Research Lead for Financial Management at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is part of a series on internal controls, where we wanted to answer some of the many recent and important questions that we've received on this key topic. I'm pleased to be joined by Chris Doxey, an author, speaker, and management consultant who is passionate about improving financial processes. Chris has extensive experience with transforming financial operations, implementing self-audit tools, and automating internal controls. So without further ado, here's the chat. So today we are talking with subject matter expert Chris Doxey on internal controls for order to cash. And uh, Chris has extensive experience in this topic. She is also working as a subject matter expert with us on new developments in internal controls. So Chris, welcome. And I wanted to start out um, and ease into this topic by asking you to tell us a little bit about what is the order to cash process and what sub-processes are included um, within order to cash. Okay. With the order to cash process, I I look at this as the customer process. And if we think about, uh, you know, who are the main stakeholders of of some of these processes? And it's our customers. And um, so we want to make sure that we've got some good controls in place for order to cash. And if we think about um, we're, we're working with customers to set them up, you know, as a new customers, they're ordering. And then the cash process is the application and management of cash that is coming in or payments that is come, are, that are coming in from those customers. And what we're really doing with the order to cash process is we're, we're breaking down silos. And, you know, people have asked, well, gee, does that mean that all these different subcomponents that we'll talk about need to be reporting to one you know, person. I was like, well, not necessarily. It can be more of a, a structure. It can be a virtual structure and it can certainly be a philosophy. So if we think about the sub-processes, our components, it starts with sales. And you know, again, working in this process several years ago, the partnerships between sales and and credit and collection it, it can be a very strong one you know if you're building those um those ground rules and business rules but it starts with sales and then we have the customer master file and the you know even taking a step back the sales process is going to be uh, focused on of course selling products and services and preparing customer quotes and finalizing pricing, as well as the customer contract. So sales has a pretty big job, and obviously there are a lot of support staff. There's pre-sales and um, you know maybe some finance support to get those quotes and pricing. And then we have, as, as mentioned, the customer master file, and that's validating uh, customer information, completing credit checks, and other compliance checks like in anti-money laundering um, screening, uh, know your customer screening, and even some Office of Foreign Asset Control screening. Setting up the customer master file. Next is credit analysis, looking at customer financial information, determining a credit limit in some cases, ensuring that the customer master file is updated appropriately, 
and communicating the results to, to the sales department that is, okay, this is a valid customer. We've gone through the, the process steps and they're on this cu uh, customer master file. Order fulfillment and invoicing goods or services are delivered per contract. Invoices are generated to the customer. AR systems are updated. Um, a lot of this is, of course, handled with today's integrated um, ERP system. So a lot of it's uh, pretty seamless. Next, we have accounts receivable and collection. And what collections does is follows up on customer payments and receives those payments. Could be lockbox in some cases, ACH, could be an automated payment, report potential bad debt, update reserves if needed. Next, we have cash app and, and management, providing cash forecasts, applying cash to appropriate open invoices. And this has gone through a lot of automation over the years where uh, we look at matching the payment to the to the um, invoice and metrics in some cases could be how often or what's the frequency of first time matches. Cash app and management may address invoice disputes uh, and AR systems are updated with the results. And last but not least, we have the reporting and metrics process where we're looking at aging. We're looking at customer aging reports and other related met metrics. And we're highlighting those problem accounts. And it's always being able to analyze data and look at what's happening with a customer account that could generate uh, an increase in a reserve or a potential write-off or a, um, an escalation to a legal department uh, to go after that bad debt. The um, recommendations could also include changes to um, credit limits and doing consistent reporting and metrics is key for the accounts um, receivable in order to cash process because we wanna make sure that we're preventing uh, any surprises from actually happening. All right, so that's pretty much the rundown of all the components of order to cash. Thanks so much, Chris. Well, why would you say that order to, to cash and order to cash end-to-end -end approach is considered a best practice? It's considered a best practice because what we're doing is we're breaking down those silos. And, you know, this kind of goes back to my initial experience with internal controls. Uh, you, I found out that you really can't do a, a good solid internal controls program if you don't understand the dependencies and interdependencies of a business process. And everything kind of fits together. If you look at um, you know, an example order uh, management, uh, cost receivable collections, and the everyone should be talking anyways. So from a best practice, why not look at how your processes can be improved by establishing common groundwork for either an automation solution or internal controls and, and certainly compliance. It's a best practice as well because we're reducing redundancy and we're thinking about the impact of what I'm doing maybe in accounts receivable and how that's going to be impacting reporting and analytics. So it's, it's taking the, the blinders off and it's taking a step back and figuring out, okay, how should this process work? And I should be defining my internal controls 
and any sort of best practice solution or automation solution accordingly. Great. Thanks so much, Chris. What would you say, and in your experience in working with customers and clients, are some of the risks and challenges that you've seen them run into when it comes to the order to cash process? What I've seen is is um, the customer onboarding process for the customer master file can be very cumbersome because the compliance aspect of it with some of the areas I mentioned is a lot of work. So they could be missing some um, compliance requirements uh, you know, because there is a hurry sometimes to get a new customer on board because we want to make that sale and we want to make that sale within the you know the applicable quarter for revenue recognition and sales bonuses and everything else and um, that's a challenge so there could be some uh, a little bit of sloppiness because we're not paying attention to doing the right due diligence and we're so focused on getting that sale, getting that revenue, and essentially getting that shipment out the door. So that's one challenge. And I think another challenge is, is doing uh, the pricing uh, structure properly and having someone take a look at that, particularly in finance, to make sure that there aren't any, any favoritism and we're paying attention to uh, consistent pricing methodology. And so that's one area. So, so sales, you know, again, being the driver of this process can certainly be an influencer in a good way as well as a bad way. And I mentioned customer master file, ensuring that data is accuracy. So if we get the front end correct, you know, which is sales and customer master, we're in pretty good shape to ensure that the rest of the data will follow so that when we do those reporting and, and, um, analytics uh, reports and metrics, we know that uh, the results are, are going to be are going to be good. And we want to do things like avoid, uh, you know, duplicate customers. And we want to make sure that cash is applied uh, properly to the right uh, customer and the right invoice. A uh, little case study for you. One of my first jobs in corporate America was in cash application. And the sales department used to take um, uh, advanced payments. And what that means is you're getting money in, but you don't have an invoice. So it used to really make cash application uh, associates go a little crazy because we'd spend hours trying to figure out where should this um, a cash be applied? We don't have an invoice. And then, you know, there'd be some, you know, what I call, uh, you know, um, kind of um, maverick processes like pro forma invoices and customers would pay, but the invoice wouldn't be in the system. So, yeah, there's a lot of risks and challenges. And, you know, hopefully with the controls that we have in place, we can we can um, find those and make sure that they don't cause a bigger problem. Excellent. Well, I um, want to bring it back as you were just alluding to internal controls and um what what some of those key internal control points should be for order to cash um, and and why okay the first one is even though we're looking at it uh, end-to-end integrated process we want to make sure that we have good segregation of duties for order to cash and that is because we want to keep um, you know sales separate from finance and if a sales order is created or a customer order is created, uh, that's typically also segregated from uh, cash application and management. 
And, you know, you can see the reason for this. We, we don't want anyone impacting the general ledger incorrectly because we could be overstating um, revenue or understating revenue. So segregation of duties is the key control for really any business process. And then having controls around those master file uh, requirements for the customer. And that's to make sure that we can't have someone going in and changing um, customer information and you know, having uh, shipments made to maybe an employee's house or a phony customer. And there has to be that upfront due diligence process that we talked about. So having those master file controls are, are very, very key because we know the rest of the process will, will follow. And having uh, the credit um, analytics and approval process in place is also key uh, because again, I go back to the days when I was spent a lot of time in this in this um, process where sales would say, well, you know, the customer's good. We, we don't have financials, but trust me. Well, you know, again, having the controls in place where we need to do the due diligence for credit analysis, getting um, done in Bradstreet reports, getting credit reports, and making sure if there's anything that doesn't quite meet uh, the requirements uh, that approvals are made. And by that, usually there's a set of financial ratios, uh, you know, long-term long uh, liabilities, uh, short-term liabilities, um, and those, um, those ratios are looked at uh, when we do uh, an, an analysis of, of financials. And having that approved, if we know that a certain amount of ratios and based on client history or customer history would equate back to a certain credit limit, and it's not quite meeting that. Um, we want to make sure that we're getting approvals from a uh, corporate credit manager or even the controller in some cases. The other area for uh, key control is when we're dealing with payments. And you know, we call it cash application and, and certainly management. And we want to make sure those payments are going to the right customer and not being diverted to a phony customer, which could be a shell company, a phony company, or even an employee. And, you know, I once talked to someone about fraud, uh, you know, years ago, and, you know, we talked about, well, gee, some of these fraudsters should use their talents for uh, process, um, uh, you know, influencing for good rather than for evil. But cash application is, is an important one because that's going to drive our cash forecast, and it's certainly going to drive our uh, balance sheet and our revenue recognition process and will ensure that AR systems and everything associated with order, order to cash is updated appropriately. What about KPIs? What are some of the um, you know, KPIs that organizations should be measuring for order to cash if they're not already in your experience? Yeah, the, the biggest one is day sale outstanding. And that's to look at um, what's outstanding and how long has the total debt been outstanding. And that could be you know, calculated for an entire company by a geography, by a product line, however your company is organized. And um, uh, DSO is, is a traditional metric. It's been tracked for years. Uh, along with that is accounts receivable aging. And depending upon how your company is organized, that could be what's the aging by strategic customer, uh, you know, for credit limits, say over a million dollars, but really getting into the analytics for aging and having an action plan in place 
for what are you going to do about the aging that's that's past 60 days or 90 days? What are your plans in place? And you start to get into, well, you know, should this uh, customer be on a payment plan or that sort of thing? Another one that we look at is a credit effectiveness index, a CEI, and, and that's to see how effective we are in collecting the debt. Another one we look at if we're thinking about the entire order to cash process is um, the cash application matches, particularly if you're in an automated environment, how quickly are you matching and what's your first time match rate? And having um, metrics around a customer master, it would be the number of customers that are in the master, um, looking at the percentage of any duplicate uh, customers within the master as well, because that's going to impact a potential cash application error. And also looking at your percentage or dollars of bad debt that you've had to write off over a given period. So with metrics, as with anything else that we've talked about, it's being consistent and it's reporting uh, certainly on a monthly basis and really developing a order to cash scorecard. And that's where you start pulling in um, input and data from some of the other processes that we talked about. All right, great. That's really helpful. And, and some of those for our listeners, just you should know, we've got key benchmarks in many of those areas as part of our open standards benchmarks. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for your insights and your time today to contribute on this important topic of internal controls for procure to pay. Thank you. This is Rachel Collins. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. We encourage you to check out Chris Doxey's books, the New Accounts Payable Toolkit, the Controllers Toolkit, the Internal Controls Toolkit, and the Fast Close Toolkit. For more insights, please visit apqc.org to see our new research collection on new developments in internal controls. Thanks again and have a great rest of your day.